0: I think one of the misunderstandings, especially today, is the whole issue of worship. What exactly is worship? People say things like, I, I went to worship, or it was great worship today. Well, what exactly is worship? I mean, think about it, because we call it a worship service. What is worship? Sometimes worship's hard to define. It's actually from an old English word, worth-ship, which means giving worth. We'd say giving worth to God. And probably the most simple of, of definitions is this. Worship is responding to God. It is responding to who He is and what He has done. And so worship is responding. It's not just the music. In fact, you can respond to God as you sing. You can respond to God as you pray. You can respond to God as you give. You can respond to God as you make application in your life from the truths of the Scripture. That's what worship is. Howard May says this. He says, The response of the creature to the Creator. We realize that when we come together, we worship. We worship and we respond to God. It is not passive. It is not passive. Roger Sime says, he said this, he says, we concentrate on him. We praise, we adore, we hear his word. So how do we worship? Well, we worship when we sing. We worship when we pray. We worship when we give. We worship when we study and make application. We're going to look tonight in the Old Testament aspect of worship. We think of praising and singing and playing music, and, and but in the Old Testament, not only that, but there were the sacrifices, the offerings, the applications, those kind of things. The author of Hebrews says that worship, an aspect of worship, is doing good and sharing, all ties back to sacrifice. Did you worship God today? If you came Sunday morning and you said, okay, I came to the Sunday morning, what sign kind of service was it? It was supposed to be a worship service, wasn't it? So we always talk about it Countryside, why do we gather? For a 2 reason, worship and training. We worship our God and Savior, and we're trained and equipped to serve him. So even tonight, did, did you worship, or are you worshiping now? Or maybe you will start. I mean, what, what think about it, because we just sang a bunch of songs. And I find myself, if I am not careful, if I do not make a concentrated effort to listen to the words and sing the words, and, and as I sing those words, I actually think those words and, and do that. If it says, we praise you, Lord, I say, we praise you, Lord. Because it's easy to say, we praise you, Lord. I did not even remember what I just said, right? So when we sing and when we pray and when we study and when we give, all of those are acts of worship. Well, in our passage, this see, Jacob is coming to God and he's worshiping and he returns to Bethel. And that's a key city, by the way, because Bethel means house of God. That's what it means, Bethel. it L. By it means house, El is God, this is the house of God. There's much involved as he worships and he prepares to worship, and we're going to see that. In fact, if worship is responding to God, we've got to think about worshiping and being right with God and understand all that is there. Well, I talked about it this morning and last week. Of course, this, prayer, this passage is horrible. It's horrible and uplifting because there's two parts to it. The last part of chapter 34 is pretty horrible, and the first part of chapter 35 is really pretty good. So you can just see that just in... A matter of verses. Things go, things can get better. You think about our lives and sometimes we say, I just don't know. My life is a mess. I don't know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. It could be a very short time. You could be saying, you know, things are getting a lot better. You know, I got, I, I dealt with my sin and I'm, I'm better now and I know God's with me and I'm learning things. It's just so much. As we look at this passage, there's lying, murder, stealing. There's cleansing and forsaking. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, in chapter 34, we're going to go 25 through 31, which is the deceit and murder. And it's a horrible passage. But as we get into chapter 35, we see God's instructions. God appears. He says, you know, forsake all this There's forsaking of sin and cleansing. He says, I want you to get right. And then we see Jacob going to Bethel. To worship at Bethel. There's blessing and sacrifice. And God, I said, God changes his name. He's already changed his name. We'll go back and look at that. But this is the second time that he's come to remind him. And so when you look at this passage, there's a lot of great things there. There's the bad, and then there's the getting right, and then there's the worship. And that's sort of the flow, isn't it? We do wrong, we get right, and we worship. That's kind of the flow, and we'll see it as we go through this. Well, let me remind you. Last time, they, let me say it this way. When Jacob came back. From Uncle Laban's. They'd been gone for 20 years. He saw his brother Esau. They made up. Everything looked good. Esau said, won't you come with me to Mount Seir? Jacob almost implied that he was coming, but Jacob knew that God had already told him that he was to go to the promised land. Now, if you remember 20 years earlier, when Jacob left, you know the last city that he really talked about? What city was that? It was Bethel. It's called House of God. That's where he saw the, the big plat, you know, kind of the big slide and he saw angels going up and down on this thing and he could look into heaven and he saw God and God told him, I'll take care of you and all of these things. It's been 20 years. You would think that the first place he would go when he got back to the promised land would be where? Bethel because God said, I will be with you and you will return here. But Jacob didn't go back to Bethel. Oh, he went to uh, two or three other places and he ends up in a place called Shechem. And Shechem was named after a guy named Shechem. There was a guy named Hamor who had a son named Shechem and other sons, but the son Shechem was the big wheel. had a city named after him. He thought he was the prince of the area. He thought he was kind of the big guy. So you got Hamor, who's wealthy, and his son Shechem, who has a whole town named after him. That's his city, and he's big time. Well, here's what happens. Dinah, who is one, Jacob has 12 sons and one daughter, Dinah. And she decides to go visit some of the women in that area, most likely in Shechem. And Shechem himself gets her and rapes her. And then he decides after he rapes her, oh, I really want her. So he tells his dad, dad, go get this woman for me. He keeps her with him. He doesn't send her back home. He keeps her and sends the dad to go see Jacob and say, my son would like to marry your daughter. Word gets back to Jacob. Jacob that Shechem's raped his daughter. Jacob didn't want to say anything because all the brothers are out in the field. They finally come in and the word comes out to them and they are so angry. They're about ready to go into Shechem and find Shechem and deal with him, right? But then about that time, Amor comes up and says, uh, "My I, my, uh, my son would like to marry your daughter. One of the things we noticed in two different places, there is no remorse. There is nothing like I don't know what my son was thinking. We, we want to come to you and apologize and say how horrible this was. He should have never done that. Uh, we want we beg your forgiveness. He didn't say any of that. He comes up and says, hey, by the way, my son really wants your daughter, and we'll pay whatever. Shechem comes up with him and says, hey, I'll pay whatever amount you want for her. And we saw that the brothers stepped forward, and they lied, and they were deceitful. Of course, they feel like, and we talked about it last week, that a lot of people say, well, what's wrong with that? We're going to get those guys back. Well, we don't get people back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. But what they said was this. They said, well, we could never give our sister to you and we could never connect with y'all because they had started implying, hey, you guys could live with us. We could intermarry with our wives and our girls. You know, it'd be just great. We could all have together. You've got a lot. Of, we got a lot of land around here. We found out by looking on further down in the verse that the people from Shechem, their plan was, we'll get those guys in here and we'll get all their stuff. There was some evilness there. But the brothers said, now we could never do that because, because see, we're we're different kind of people. And all the guys around here are circumcised. And so we'd never let our sister be with any man if he wasn't circumcised. In fact, we would never intermarry or be a part of y'all. They're not supposed to intermarry anyway. And they said, I'll tell you what you do. If you all you guys will get circumcised, we'll intermarry with you. And we'll do just what you said. Well, as we talked last week, I'm not sure I would want to do that exactly at that stage of my life. And so, would you? And so they thought about it, and they said, let's let's do it, because if we do it, we'll get all their property. So they go back to Jacob and the brothers, his sons, and they say, yeah, we'll do it. So they go to their city. They go to Shechem. They call the gate of the city. They call all the leading people up. They say, these people will come, and they'll be with us. If all us guys get circumcised, we'll get all their land. We'll get all their property. This will be a great thing. And so they get circumcised. And that hurts, and they're sore. And notice what's going to happen. Notice verse twenty-four. All they uh, they all went to the gate of the city. They listened to Hamer and to his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised. All that went out of the gate of the city. So, meanwhile, Dinah's still at Shechem's house, wherever he is. As we continue seeing this, I want you to see this whole thing of sin and how it affects things. Number one, it affects others, but it continually progresses. We'll talk more about it a little bit later, and that's why you don't get vengeance. Because, see, if somebody breaks your pencil, you go over there and tear up their notebook. They come over and tear up your desk. You go over and blow up their office. I mean, it just escalates. That's the way it is. It's hits arm. Hit him in the face, hit him in the face, I'm going to take you down. You know, it just escalates. That's why well under the Mosaic Law, it was eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. The Mosaic Law limited retribution because retribution always expands. And what you see here is there was a rape and lying. And there's more lying. And now there's fixing to be something else. So look what happened verse twenty five now it came about on the third day when they were in pain. All these men had been circumcised, they were all in pain that two of jacob's sons, Simeon and levi dinah 's brothers her brothers you know who's who's the mo- who's going to be angry the most? the brothers you know brothers and sisters may not get along, but you don 't mess with somebody's brother and sister you don 't mess with them, and these guys said they are not. Get in the way with this. Now vengeance doesn't belong to people. It belongs to the Lord. But that's what they said. Now it came about on the third day when they were all in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword, came upon the city unaware, snuck in the city, and killed every man. That's expanded. Don't you think that's a little more expanded? Always happens, doesn't it? They came and killed every man. Notice they killed Hamer and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword, and they took Dinah from Shechem's house and went forth. They came in there and killed every person. and they finally got to the big house and they killed the daddy and the son, and they took their sister and got out of there. Now what we might say is, boy, they got what was. they got what they deserved. You want to get what you deserve? Anybody in this room want to get what you deserve? None of us want to get what we deserve. We don't need to look around and say, boy, they got what they deserved. You don't want the justice of God emptied out on you. You want the grace of God poured out on you. The justice of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. We ought to be thankful for that. Look what happens, though. It's not over yet. Jacob's son came upon the city They came upon the slain and looted the city because they had defiled their sister. See, they all came in there and they looted the city. They took everything. They they stole. By the way, we're not supposed to do wrong because somebody did us wrong. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Never return evil with evil. Return evil with what? How hard is that? That's the hardest thing you're going to ever do in your life is return evil with good. When somebody does you wrong and you're going to do something good back to them... You say they don't deserve for me to do good back to them. Nobody deserves anything anyway. Notice the progression. Go ahead. You're right. Go on to the next one. And then I think the next one. Notice the progression of sin, rape, lying to murder, looting, slavery. Because we're not through. Because what are they going to go ahead and do? It said they took the, verse 28, they took the flocks and their herd and their donkeys and that which was in the field and that w- uh, that was in the city and that which was in the field and they captured and looted all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives, even all that was in the houses. They took people, the slaves. They took them all. You'd say, good gracious, I, I, thought, I thought these were sort of good guys. I thought they were good boys. Darn any good boys. aren't any good girls either let's just face it we are capable of any sin you put us in the wrong place at the wrong time we will do the wrong thing be careful look what happened this all happens jacob finds out about it i think jacob probably said where did everybody go where's all the boys they went to the city of Shechem and killed everybody is what they did and looted everything and brought everything back. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Presites, And my men, are which are few in number, they'll gather together against me and attack me and I'll be destroyed I and my household. Here's what he said to his sons. Look, we stink. That's what it literally says in Hebrew. He says, you have made me odious. You made me stink. They're gonna go. Those guys stink, because that's exactly what people say. You stink, man. I'm coming after you. He said they're gonna. We don't have that many people. That's what he says. We don't have that many men, and they're gonna come after. They're gonna all gather together the Canaanites and the prisonersites and all those guys. They're gonna to gather together against me, and they're gonna come and kill me. He says we stink. Guess what? Henry Morris says the testimony for God is gone. Instead of people thinking of Jacob and his family identifying them with the true God, they identify them as a bunch of murderers and robbers. your Your testimony can be gone in an instant. That's what's so sad. Now I want you to understand that Jacob never... Forgets this. I want you to hold your place in 35, or in 34, or almost the start of 35, and I want you to turn over to Genesis 49. In Genesis 49, Jacob's about to die, and so he decides to bring in all the boys and give them their final blessings. Look at Genesis 49, verse 1. We'll get to this one day. coming faster. Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. He said, I'm going to give my prophecies about you. I'm going to give my blessings. Look at verse 5 where he talks about Simeon and Levi. Who is Simeon and Levi? There's Dinah's brothers. What did they do? They went and killed every man in that town. Notice what it says. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let, my, let not my glory be united with their assembly. Because in their anger they slew men. And in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. What's powerful. Go back to chapter 34. Jacob never forgot what happened. Those boys never forgot what happened. And when Jacob started giving out the blessings, oh, the son's supposed to get blessings, son's supposed to get this double portion. Those guys didn't get any of that. They didn't get any blessing. In like fact, the blessing went to Judah. Well, notice verse 31. How do they answer when he says, look what you did. You made us stink. They're going to come kill us all. But they said, should he treat our sister as a harlot you notice they didn't say should he treat your daughter as a harlot their emphasis is this is our sister they're almost implying do you not care about your daughter okay then well, i don't know whether you care about your daughter but that's our sister we're not going to let it, we're not going to let anybody do that two wrongs don't make a right the progression of sin and Ryan, and murder. The effect on the family, look at this. It affected Shechem, and Dinah, and Jacob's sons, and Hamer, and the entire city, and all their families. Do you think that Shechem, when he got Dinah, thought that what he's going to do is going to result in the death of every man that he knows in his city, and everything be taken off from there? He didn't think that. We do things and we go, listen, this is just between me and God. Or this is just, this is just one little thing. This is the last time I'll ever do this. Or this is this. This doesn't really hurt anybody. Nobody will ever find out about this. Nobody cares about this. You do not know the effects. We never sin in a vacuum. Never. It's powerful. Notice this. Jacob passes over Simeon and Levi for special blessings. Now, Levi did eventually get the priesthood, and there's a reason for that. We'll see that later on. It was vital to keep from intermarrying with these people to keep the chosen people separated. You understand, they weren't ever supposed to intermarry with those people. They didn't have to lie and kill them all to get out of that. Now, God directs Jacob's life. It's time to get right. You know, when you do something wrong, what are you supposed to do? Get right. That's the key. It's time to get right with God. When Jacob left 20 years ago, where did he leave from? He left, he stopped at Bethel, the house of God. He made a vow to God that he would come back. Do you remember what his vow was? If you'll take care of me, when I come back, I'll give you a what? He said, I'll give you a tenth of my stuff. When he came back, where did he go? Wasn't Bethel, was it? He went to He went to a couple other places and ended up in Shechem it's time to get back with God to go to Bethel and to worship. Look at chapter 35 verse 1 and God said to Jacob arise and go up to where Bethel and live there. Let me ask you a question. Right now in Jacob's mind, what is he thinking? Huh? Yep. why is he want to, why does he think he ought to go somewhere else? Cuz all those people are going to kill him. God says, I want you to go to where? Bethel. Notice, I want you to go to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So he says, I want you to go to Bethel. I want you to go there. I want you to go to the house of God. This was the place 20 years before that he met with God before he went to live in Haran. This is where he made a vow in worship at that time. Now, 20 years have passed. God instructs him to go back to Bethel. He said, live there, not Shechem. We'll find as we go through these passages... That he's been to Succoth, he's been to Shechem, he's even been to Hebrew, uh, Hebron, but he's, and he's may have lived in the land 10 years since he's come back. But guess where he hadn't gone? Bethel. You'd think it'd be the first place he goes. No. All of these places are within 10 to 15 miles of each other. Bethel's not a long way away. And yet he hasn't gone there. Why do you think he hasn't gone there? Why do you think he has avoided Bethel all this time? Well, you know, when you uh, when you are thinking wrong and doing things wrong and have sin in your life, and you're going to find out in just a couple of verses what sin they have in their life, because they got other sin in their life besides killing a whole bunch of people. When you have sin in your life, you want to go right to church, don't you? You want to go meet with all the Christians and have a Bible study. You want to have a prayer group, don't you? No, you don't. In fact, you won't stay away from everything. That's one of the times when, when people suddenly stop coming to church. You, you need to check on them. You need to find out what's happening in their lives. Something could be wrong. Sin always seems to block. It blocks the fellowship with God. It blocks the fellowship with other believers. We don't want to worship. Look what he says to him to do. Arise and, it, he said to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel, live there and make an altar to God. What, what's an altar? What is an altar? It's a place of what? Worship. You got to get back. You got to worship. Go to Bethel, the house of God, and worship. Now I want you to see something. Before Jacob can worship, he's got to get some things right. There has to be cleansing and dealing with sin. It's the same as true for us. Before you can worship, you know, some people say they they go to church and they uh, they'll say something like, "I don't get much out of it." it could be that there's uh, there's a blockage there. It could be you're not in fellowship with God and you ain't realized it. It could be you have sin in your life that you haven't dealt with and you wonder why it's not so great. Because, see, the Word of God is alive and powerful and a two-edged sword. It's going to go right to the heart of the issue. And when people say things like, I, don't, I ain't getting nothing out of it, that may be because there's a blockage there. You're not in fellowship with God. And it's awful hard to get anything out of anything when there's, when there's a blockage. Look what he says. Jacob's going to have to deal with some things. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, watch, put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourself and change your garments. What's the first thing they're going to have to do? They're going to have to do what? Forsake the sin. How much do they have? The one what? But Where did they get them? Do you remember? Do you remember when they left Tehran? What did his wife Rachel do? She stole her father's gods. You don't think she still got those? She's like, I got them right here. Cause see, she hid them in the little saddle. Remember? They're not big. They couldn't have been hid in a saddle. they got anything else? You'll find out in just a second. They've got all kinds of stuff. Here, these are the people of God, aren't they? You have any gods in your life, false gods, that you're carrying around with you, that you're thinking about, that you put first? Some For some people, it's their job. For some people, it's certain possessions. For some people, it's their hobby. For some people, it's their girlfriend. For some people, it's just sin. Those, good, those are always first, God, first of God. So what does he say do? He says we're gonna to have to put away the foreign gods, we're gonna to have to deal with sin, but purify and purify yourselves, change your garments. And he says we're gonna have to we're gonna have to quit wearing these sinful clothes. How we look and what we're doing. The second aspect is cleansing and confession. See that's what we do. We recognize sin. We say I got I've got to stop that. And I've got to confess my sin and I've got to be cleansed because if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. So look what happens. He says, let us rise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been me wherever I have gone. He says, let's make, we're going to go up to Bethel and we're going to make an altar. Let me just say this. They're going to Bethel, but Bethel is not very far from where? Shechem and those other tans. and what is what was his fear that all these people around here will say boy they just killed all those people let's get together and let's wipe them out before they come try to do the same thing to us that's what they're afraid of but he says well we can't be afraid because God just told me to go to Bethel we're going to have to go to Bethel he said go to Bethel and live there he didn't say go to Bethel and just hang around he said go live there he said, Let's arise, verse three, go to Bethel, I'll make an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress, has been me where went with me wherever I have gone. You know what he is? He's the provider and protector. He said, In my day of distress, he's always protected me, his provider wherever I've gone. He's always been what? Everywhere Jacob has gone, what's happened to him? He's been what? Blessed. Always is. Because he's such a great guy. Right? No. He's blessed because God chose to bless him. God made a promise to him. I'm going to bless you. What does he promise us? I'll provide for you, Philippians 4.13. Well, that's supposed to be 4.19. Uh, that's my fault. I put the wrong one. I, I, he'll provide everything that we need. Philippians 4.13 is I can do all things through Christ your strength I me. Mean, Philippians 4.19 says my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So that's, I put the wrong verse there. But protects Hebrews 13, I'll never leave you forsake you. What should you fear? So look what happens. Look what happens to the people. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears. And Jacob, what's wrong with earrings? They may have had gods on them. They, 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 yeah, like, like these. Little Buddha. Little what? Whoever. No, whatever. What did Jacob do with them? He hid them under an oak which was near Shechem. He took them on, dug a hole in the ground, and put them up under the tree. Gave them up. Now look, what's their fear right now? What's gonna? What'd you say? They're gonna come kill them. That's their fear. Notice verse five. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. What did God do? He made all the people run them, afraid of them. They were afraid the people were going to join together and come kill them. God made all the people around him afraid of them, so they didn't come after him. Is God always the provider, protector? He always is. Well, look what happens. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, they got to the city. And notice, he built an altar there. And he called the name of the place El Bethel, which means God The house of God, because God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. So he gets there, and he begins to worship, and he makes an altar there, and he calls the place God, the house of God. This is where God has revealed himself. How does God reveal himself to us? Through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. It's alive and powerful and sharpened to its sword. It's inspired. It's profitable. Notice, here's a little sad part. Here's sort of a little side note. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel, under the oak. It was also named Alanbacheth. Now, wait a minute. Who's Rebecca? No, that's Rachel. So, who's Rebecca? Have we have we forgotten the family so far? That's his mother. Right? Isaac and Rebecca had Jacob and Esau, right? Who is this? This is Rebecca's what? Nurse. She'd been with Rebecca and taken care of Rebecca her whole life, but she lived longer than Rebecca. Rebecca's already dead. You remember that Rebecca said, Jacob, you go visit your, my brother, Uncle Laban, and for a year, just a short time, and then you'll come back. He was gone how long? Twenty years. She died. He never saw his mother again. He said her nurse. See, when he got back, she probably went to live with him. She's been probably living with him for 10 years. And she dies. She's buried below Bethel under the oak. It was named Allah Abakah, the place of weeping, crying. It's called the oak of weeping, is what that means. There's much sadness and crying at death, and there always is. Everyone, probably every one of us in this room has experienced some form of death. Somebody that we know and loved. It's very rare that somebody will say to me, I have never so far had anybody close to me die. There's some. If you're young, you may can say, I've never had anybody close to me die. But if you've lived any length of time, you've had somebody close to you die. Whether it's an uncle or a granddaddy or a grandmama or an you know, older brother. or so, there, you've, you've experienced death. And there's weeping. And the truth is this, there's always sadness when somebody dies. First 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul talks about it, and he says, We don't sorrow as the rest who have no hope, because we have the hope of eternal life. And even in the midst of death and sadness, there is joy, because Jesus Christ has conquered death. Well, it comes to the third part, then. And that is, you have to remember the promises. See, when you have sin, what in the world was that? Is that somebody in that other room in there? Okay. Go slap those kids around in there, please. Okay, okay. (laughs) Don't you know, how many of us would like to be in there with them? Wouldn't that be fun? Okay. So first of all, you deal with sin, you cleanse and confess, and you remember the promises. That's number three. Look what happened. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Petit Aram and he blessed him. God appears. You know why God's appearing here? Why do you think God's appearing here? Hmm? That's where he told him to go. That's exactly right. You want, you want to see God? Go to the place God told you to go. So he gets there and God appeared to him and God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. If you go back to Genesis 32 verse 28, he said, you'll no longer be Jacob, but your name is Israel. So this is not the first time he's told him this. He's just reminding him because sometimes you have to remind people that you're no longer deceivers. You're a prince. Or a princess. And sometimes we go through life saying, I'm an old sinful person. I'm an old sinful person. No, you're a new creation in Christ. You can still live sinfully, but the way you look at yourself is a new creation in Christ. So God appeared to him and said, Your name's Jacob, but you no longer be Jacob. Remember, you're not a deceiver. Israel, you're Prince of God. Prince is your name. Thus he called him Israel. And he reminds him of the covenant. This is the fear, the covenant. And he said to him, in verse 11, I am, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Now, that's what he's reminding him of the covenant. He's God Almighty. God Almighty. You know what Almighty is? God Almighty? El Shaddai. Everybody remembers the song El Shaddai? It means God Almighty. El means God, remember? El Bethel, house of God. El is the singular form of God in Hebrew. Elohim is the plural form of God in Hebrew. So he says this, you, he said my name's El Shaddai, God Almighty. And I, I I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to have a lot of folks, a nation and a company of nations will come forth from you. Kings will come forth from you. And that's exactly what happened. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac. You remember he came to Abraham and said, this is your land. He came to Isaac and said, this is your land. He comes to Jacob and said, this is your land. I'll give you this land. And not only will I give it to you, I'll give the land to you and your descendants after you. This is exactly, if you went back, and I don't want to take the time tonight because we're already over. If you go back to Genesis 28, it's the exact same covenant of the land, the seed, and the blessing. It's exactly what he's promised him. And then verse 13. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken to him. He leaves. What is involved is because as you get ready to prepare for worship, because we haven't seen the worship yet. Look at verse fourteen. Then Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it, and he poured all on it. That's that's worship. We ain't got the worship yet. We're preparing for worship. The three things. You deal with sin, you cleanse in confession, and you remember God's promises and blessings. Do you know why you have to remember the promises and blessings? Because when you sin, and even when you confess your sin and you get cleansed, you say things like, what a jerk I am. God will never use me. Isn't that, what you feel? Isn't that how you feel after you sin a lot? Unless you all sin a lot, don't you? Don't we all? Or is it just me? Maybe it's just me, you know? Maybe I'm just worse. But we sin. And when you sin and you confess it and then you say, what a jerk I am. And God says, listen, I will use you for my glory. You are my instrument. I will use you beyond what you could ask or imagine. That's why you have to remember the promises. Next time we'll see the worship. What he was saying. The sinful actions of the brothers. They kill men. God tells Jacob to go to Bethel and get right. He gets back there and he deals with the sin. He cleanses and confesses. And he remembers the promises. So let's look quickly. Application. We see the depravity of man. It is there. This this passage sees the rape and murder and killing and all, all of these things. And you put any of us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we're going to do the wrong thing. We've all sinned and we need a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ came and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father except through me. Oswald Chambers, I love what he said. It is not my goodness that puts me right with God. It is not my human logic, but it is the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and my faith in Him. That's what it all boils down to. Second, realize the effects of sin in our lives. It is negative and destructive. Here's some things that it does. It breaks fellowship with God and others. When you have sin in your life, go ahead, back. When you when you have uh, sin in your life, it breaks fellowship with God and with other people. And if you think you can have fellowship, true fellowship with believers, when you're out of fellowship with God, it does not work. Second, it affects not just ourselves but others. We never sin in a vacuum. We saw what happened when Shechem, raped Dinah. It never was in a vacuum. Some people do things and they think it won't affect me. It won't affect others. Yes, it does. The third it is often progressive. The law always limited. The law limited. That's why when people read that and they say, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, so, so you, you, you get your tooth knocked out, you get to knock their tooth out. Uh, boy, that's, that sounds like you really go get them. No, he said I'm just trying to limit this thing. I'm just trying to limit this thing. And the fourth thing, it results in loss of testimony. That's what sin does. Albert Barnes said this, By our lifestyle, we may do far more disgrace, to, to disgrace our Savior by our lifestyle, we may do far more to disgrace our Savior in our message. How you live? Third thing, let's get right with God. In your life, there may be us tonight that we say, you know, things have not been right. I mean, I look back, I know there's things that I've done wrong, I'm doing wrong, I'm still doing wrong. And it's breaking our fellowship with God and breaking our fellowship with others. And we need to deal with it. And, and how do we do that? Well, we deal with sin. You confess and forsake. The so second thing you do is what? There's cleanse and confession. Of course, when you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And what's the third thing we do? We remember God's promises and blessings. So for all of us, we say, Lord, I, I, I recognize that I'm doing things wrong. I confess that. You're faithful and just to forgive me. And I remember that you will use me for your glory. And then go on with your life and get into the things that are behind and pressing on to the things that are ahead. May we sh- Make sure we're right with God because that's what finally happened. And th- we're going to see the worship next time. Wow. It's some great stuff. And uh, it's powerful. There's some good things. And as always, there's some bad things. So that's the way it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Uh, we just want our lives to count for you, Lord. That's all that matters. And we think about our lives, we see the depravity of man, we see what happened there, and we think about our own lives, and we realize that we're capable of anything. So, Lord, we realize the negative effects of sin in our lives. It breaks our fellowship. It affects ourselves and, and, and not just ourselves, but others. That's progressive, and it loses, we lose testimony. So, Lord, we, we want to We want to deal with sin. We want to get right with you. And so, Lord, what we do is we deal with it and recognize that it's wrong. We confess it. You're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And then we remember your promises and your blessing in our lives that you will use us for your glory. May we do that, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know we're a little bit over, but anybody got questions or comments they want to say? Right. And they did something good alongside the way to help get that as well. But, you know, it's so funny. Oh. And then still gets the priesthood. Exactly. Exactly. The priest. It's amazing. You know, all of us in this room have done bad. And God sent his son Jesus Christ to save us. And then when we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, he says, I'm going to take this fallen, bad person, and I'm going to make them a child of God, and I'm going to take them from death to life, and I'm going to take them from darkness to light, and I'm going to give them eternal life, and I'm going to give them spiritual gifts, and I'm going to give them the Word of God, I'm going to give them fellow believers, I'm going to put them in opportunities, and I'm going to take them and use them to carry out my plans in this world. And what he's really saying is, I'm going to take a bunch of fallen things, and I'm going to use you for my glory. That is the greatest thing ever. Thanks. Thanks, Maxine. What else? Anybody, anything else? Yes. Yes. think that probably ties back into that you know they got 48 cities but they didn't get any land now the reason they of course the reason they couldn't really have land is because they had to stay at the temple area and do that but he did not give them a portion of land that may be what he's talking about there it's hard when we get to 49 and we start going through the prophecies some of the little prophecies are you go what what does that mean you know it's just hard to figure out some of the things there he says you're a ravenous wolf okay what does that mean what, what does that mean how does that tie into that family and that descendant? so You're right. So some of it's hard. You're exactly right. Anything else? Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the privilege of letting us be together. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.